Exciters. My name is Dylan Merlot and I'm a high school student at Vista Del Lago and I'm just super excited for the tech series that's coming up. I cannot wait for what God is going to do in our student ministries and my own devotional time. So I'm just going to be sharing what's going on in these times with you, especially my small group time, as well as what's going on in our high school ministry called Encounter. Can't wait to talk to you guys next week. See you then. Hey guys, uh, my name is Erin, and I just want to let you all know how I'm so excited for the tech series. Um, over the next five weeks, not only will you and I be getting to know each other pretty well, um, I'm also excited just to see how God uses the girls in my small group, or uses my small uh, my devotion time with Him, and then uses the weekly gatherings just to get me closer to Him and to show me something that maybe I've never seen before, maybe I've been missing out, maybe I've been too busy. Um, I'm really expecting him to deliver and I'm really excited. I'm excited just to see what it is and to also be able to share it with you. Hi Lakeside family, this is Mike logging in. I want to tell you guys about our new series called Text. It's going to be amazing. You're going to hear some powerful messages over the next few weekends. Please don't miss a weekend. Get here early. Also, we're going to be connecting by signing up for small groups. And throughout the series, me and some of my other friends are going to be logging in and telling you how our walk with Christ is going. So, God bless. I hope you enjoy this series and prepare your hearts to hear a message from God. We'll see you. All right. Good evening, everybody. How's it going tonight? Good. Good to see you. I'm glad you're here. It feels like I've been, it's like I haven't talked to you guys together for a long, long time. So thanks for being here. Thanks for uh, jumping in. Give us a little video help. Aaron, that was awesome. So um, I'm real excited about where we're heading. We're talking about the Bible. And some of you will say, well, you talk about the Bible every week. Right? Wouldn't some of you say that? Good, because we do. I mean, that's the goal is we're talking about the Bible every week. But what we're going to do is we're going to spend five weeks together talking about the Bible. We often talk from the Bible about God. That's kind of the, the direction we usually take. But we're going to talk about the Bible itself to give you a platform to understand this is how I live my life. This is how I live out my faith and have my faith informed by the scriptures. So that's kind of where we're heading. And we're calling this whole series Text. So I want to just start off with some high technology stuff. I want to, I want to do some texting together. All right, so you have your phone out. Get your phone out. I know in church you're not supposed to have your phone out, but it's fine. You can take notes on it. You can tweet on it while we're going along. That's fine. But put your phone out, and we've got a couple of polls that we want to take together. Okay, so you're going to do this right on your smartphone. And uh, so open up the, the uh, texting app and uh, punch in there on, on the little line that says 2. I want you to type these numbers, 22333. That's who you're going to send this to, and then we're going to do a couple of polls. So you ready? Ready to see the Can we put the poll up there, the first poll? Here's the first one I want to find out. How often do you read the Bible? If I, now, if I ask, you know, hey, show me your hands. How, you know, how many of you read the Bible every day? It'd be church, and so you'd go, oh, we all do. Then we'd have to talk about not telling the truth, right? So let's just be honest. Oh, we got three times a week already got somebody. So type in 22333, and then type the keyword every day or three times or Sundays or what's the Bible? No, that one type in not much. Okay, are you good? Let me, so you guys are going. That's good. Let me see if I can put in what I do. I do every single day without fail. Wait, okay, not exactly. I typed in, 
We didn't, we didn't give you a great choice. Like if you're somewhat less than every day, but you're, but you're somewhat more than three times a day, we didn't give you one. So you pick. All right? How are we doing here? So three times a week or so, like a lot. Sundays. That could be Saturdays for you guys. You know, like when I come to church, I read the Bible. Or Pastor Brad, you read it to me. I know. All right, so that kind of tells us where we are. That's awesome. That's just kind of interesting to me. Now I know how to shape this set of talks for you, okay, depending on whether you read it or not. Now, next question is going to be, what platform do you use to read the Bible? Because it's different than it used to be. Like, so let me just give you some examples. Like, how many of you read the Bible by means of a scroll? I don't mean scroll down. I mean a scroll, right? So... Or how many, some of you read the Bible with a book, right? Something like this or the old family Bible or that kind of thing. So some of us do it that way. Some of us now, we don't even read the Bible anymore. It's all on audio Bible, right? Some, some of you do it that way. Or some of you maybe do it on your smartphone or your iPad or tablet or those kinds of things. So those are your options of how you intake the scripture today. So let's do another poll and uh, tell me if you, if you use the scroll method or the bound book so that's bound, uh, audio Bible, or m- mobile device. That's mob device for short. Yeah, sorry, but that's how it turned out for the poll. All right, so a lot of book readers still. That's good. Let me just kind of punch in mine and see how this works. It, mine, wants to, mine wants to auto-correct for me. That's not helping me. All right, so there, there goes mine. Okay, good. So, all right, not very many scroll users. Two, so yeah, who are the two, right? He's got, he's got a set of scrolls in their living room somewhere. All right, 61 book readers, 44, 45, 45 mobile device readers. Awesome. Okay, put those away. Stop having fun. No, just kidding. You can keep it out. You can take notes. So that's, just, that's cool. So the, while we're talking about technology, how many of you are on Twitter? Any, any tweeters here? All right, quite a few, not, not a ton, but quite a few. Okay, that's interesting. I'm, I'm on Twitter, but I don't really, all I use my Twitter for is to feed over to my Facebook. So I don't really know how that whole thing works, but I'm, I tweet every now and then something. And a tweet, you only get 140 characters, right? And so when I send out a tweet, I'm like, okay, this, is ha- this has to count. This has to be meaningful. And what if, what if you only had one shot to communicate your faith in Christ on a text message or on a tweet, what if you only got 140 characters to say, this is, this is my advice to my friends who are not yet connected with God? What would you write? Now, I've thought about it a little bit. I'd, I'd write something like, read the Bible and live its story. And actually, that gives me some extra characters left over at the end of that sentence, you know. Like I could say, please. You know, that might, that might be helpful. I don't know. So read the Bible and live its story. So we're going to be talking for the next five weekends about the Bible. And some of you will say, well, of course, that's what we do in church. And some of you will say, well, you know, I came to church because my friend invited me. They promised we'd go out for pizza after church tonight, but I'm not really into the Bible. And we've got a big spectrum of people in our culture and how we feel about the Bible. Wouldn't you think? I mean, most Christians would say, okay, now the Bible's really, really important to me. I, I would land in this camp. I believe the Bible is really, really important to me. I believe the Bible is, the, is kind of the guideline or the, bru, the, blueprint, the blueprint for the Christian life. You want to follow Jesus, you're going to have to read the Bible. You're going to have to engage the Bible. Because it's in the Bible that you find the story of Jesus. In the, it's in the Bible that you find out who Jesus is and what he has for you and what he wants for you. It's all in the Bible. 
We have believed for centuries that the Bible is our sole authority for faith and the practice of the Christian life. You can get influence from a lot of others. You can listen to me. You can listen to Pastor Sean. You can listen to preachers on the radio or podcasts or whatever. There's a lot of people talking about the Bible, but they are not the authority. And I am not the authority. In fact, you should always check out what I say and and, and go back to Scripture and say, is that what the Bible says? Because the Bible is our authority for our faith and for the practice of the Christian life. That's what I believe. In fact, to take that a step further, I'm convinced of the idea that the Bible is the inspired, God-breathed message from God. That's what I believe. And I believe if you want to know God's heart, you have to know the Scripture. And so that's, I just, you know, right up front, let me just tell you, that's where I'm coming from. And a lot of you will say, well, that's where I'm coming from too. And we go, okay, good, we're on the same page, many of us. But there are people all around us, right? You are surrounded by people in your community, in your network, in your relationships, in your neighborhood. You're surrounded by people that have a a broad spectrum of opinions about the Bible. And some of them line up where you line up, and some of them do not. And some people look at the Bible and they go, look, that that book's 2,000 years old, at least. And how can a book that's 2,000 years old still be relevant in the 21st century? And I look at that and go, that's a fair question. Is it possible that a book 2,000 years old or more is still relevant today? Good question. Let's talk about it. Right? Some people will say, well, the Bible's full of conflict and contradictions and problems, and there's, there's stuff that's not good in the Bible. I don't, some of you might, li- might uh, listen to Bill Maher sometimes. I'm not sure he's got this. Okay, well, maybe not, but, you know. <laughs> Some people do because he's got this program called Real Time on HBO, and he was talking recently in a recent show or program. They were talking about the Bible, and he said this. The Bible is pro-slavery, pro-polygamy. It's homophobic. God in the Old Testament is a psychotic mass murderer. He, said, he goes on, he says, I mean, there's so many things in it. I always say to my religious friends, you know, if a pool had even one turd in it, would you jump in? I'm like, Bill, that's why I'm not jumping into your program, pal. Okay, there's the spectrum. Have I pretty much given you, like, here's one end and here's the other. All right, now... Hang on for a second, because, and, and don't be looking down your row, but isn't it possible that there are people among us who have that opinion? I mean, wouldn't you invite them to church if you could? Wouldn't you invite someone, if it's like, well, I, you know, you invite a friend to church. Well, I don't want to go to church because I don't believe the Bible. Wouldn't you say to them, it doesn't matter, come anyway. That's what I would do if someone said, no, no I, I don't believe in the Bible. I, want, I, don't, I don't, you know, follow after that. I don't care. See, I believe the Bible is powerful even if you don't believe it. If the Bible is God's inspired word to us, it's powerful whether you believe it or not. I believe. And if you're sitting here in the room tonight and you're like, yeah, I don't really, I don't really buy into that, Pastor Brad. I don't even know why I have to call you Pastor Brad. Okay, fine. I don't really buy into that Bible stuff. Okay. But you're here, so we got a few minutes. Let's talk about it. And what I want to do is just talk through what are the issues in the Bible that will help us understand where it came from, what it's about, what does it have for us, what does God maybe want to say to us through the Scriptures. 
I remember when I was in high school, and some of you, I've I've told this story before because this was catalytic in my life as a follower of Jesus. When I was in high school, freshman year, one of my friends who was a junior, he said, Brad, would you like to study the Bible with me? And I was um, so intrigued by that invitation because I'd never read the Bible. We had Bibles everywhere in my house, but I'd never read it. And so someone said, you know, would you like to not only read it, but would you like to study it? And my first thought was, I would love to study it. My second thought was, I don't know if I can because I didn't know what language it was in. I mean, I'm not kidding. I, you know, I hadn't read it. And someone said, would you like to study the Bible with me? And I got on this path where I started studying the Bible and it changed everything for me. And yeah, there's certain things that are hard to understand in the Bible. There's certain things that are still mysteries to me years after I started studying the Bible. Still mysteries to me, still mysterious to me, still some things that I don't comprehend. And I believe that'll be true to the day I die. But there are so many things in the Bible that are so clear, so strongly, clearly from God, that have so shaped my life, that I've said, God, I'll give you my life to give this Bible to others, to give this message to others. And so for the next five weeks, that's what we're going to do together. All right, and some of you, you're just brand new beginning in this whole journey with Jesus. We're getting a lot of stuff for you that's going to be really helpful. And some of you go, well, I've been following Jesus for a long time, and I've been reading the Bible for a long time. I hope there's some stuff in here. As we walk through these next five weeks, you will find some things. You go, oh, that's really helpful to me in my journey. So whether you're fresh at this, whether you've been doing this for a long time, you're going to find this helpful, I believe. And if you sit back there and you go, it's not even for me, I think you'll find some things that are helpful in this journey. All right, let's begin today with this question. Why did God give us the Bible? I mean, why do we have it? Here's all these, all these books in the Bible, different kinds of literature, different information, different stories, and some of it I don't get, and some of it's, you know, clear. And Like, why did God give us the Bible in the first place? So, now it's time to open it. If you have your Bible with you, open up to page 2. All right, if you don't have your Bible with you, if you don't have one, there's some Bibles, orange and black Bibles on the chair next to you. You can reach over and grab one of those. If you don't have a Bible, please take that one. It's a gift from us to you. If you want one that's not bent, we probably have some more back in the cupboard. We'd be happy to give you one. Okay, I want you to have one. So we're on page two. I think what we're going to look at is Genesis chapter three. For most of you, that's probably on page two. In those church Bibles, it's on page two. Listen to this, Genesis chapter three. Starting at verse 1. Here's a story that some of you know very well. Some of you, maybe not as well, but you're familiar with it. Genesis 3.1. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat fruit from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. Well, you will surely not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Well, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together to make coverings for themselves. 
Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and uh, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Let's stop there. You can go on and read the rest of that story when you get back home because now you're intrigued. It's like, how does that come out? But let's just stop right there and think about what happens in that story. What happened was God's got this couple in the Garden of Eden. Now, some people think that's a myth. Some people think it's a fable. Some people think it actually happened literally. I'm not going to try and solve that question for you right now. What I want you to just think about is what happened in that story. God sets up a boundary for his children, Adam and Eve. If you're a parent, have you ever set a boundary? Why did you do that? Because you were the meanest, dirtiest, rottenest parent ever to live. Isn't that what they told you? Right? And you said, no, 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 you don't get it. I set that boundary not as a, not as a punishment to you, but as an opportunity for you to love me back. I set that boundary for you because I loved you. And if you live but within that boundary, you have the opportunity to show me that you love me back. But a lot of people look at that boundary that God set up and they said, oh, God was just being evil to them. God was just tempting them to step across the line that he drew out in the sand and just then when, he, when they stepped across, he was going to punish them. See, I don't believe that. I believe God gave that boundary just like you do when you give boundaries to your children. He gave that boundary because he loved them and it was an opportunity for them to love him back, to choose to love God. But the servant came along and he, and he tempted them and so The woman ate from the tree and the man ate from the tree and immediately their eyes were opened. And the first thing they felt was they'd been exposed. Don't you love it when you feel exposed? Don't you love it when you feel vulnerable? Lovely, isn't it? Immediately that's what they felt like. They'd been exposed. They were naked. So what'd they do? Best thing they could find, they they pulled fig leaves out off some of the trees and sewed them together to make coverings for themselves. How do you think that worked? Really bad. But they were desperate because they were exposed to one another, and now they didn't like that. That's not what they expected when they ate that fruit, but that's what happened. They became separated from one another, and they began to hide from one another. Hasn't that been the nature of human relationships ever since? Don't we try and, don't we try and hide our vulnerability all the time? Don't we try and cover up what what is exposed all the time? Don't we hide from one another all the time in our marriages, with our children, with our parents, at work? We're separated because we cross that boundary. The Bible calls it sin, and sin kills everything it touches. Don't you know that? Haven't Haven't you seen that? Sin kills everything it touches, and it killed their marriage that day, and they began to hide from one another. And then, just as they're trying to finish up, wrapping up the last seam on their fig leaf garment, then they hear the sound of God come walking in the garden during the cool of the day. Like, oh no, we're exposed to God too, so now fig leaves aren't going to do it, so they begin hiding among the trees, hiding from God. Why? Because they were exposed to him. And they had sinned against his boundary. 
and sin kills everything it touches. And now their relationship with God died. He told them that it would. It died, and now they were separated from him. They were isolated from him. And hasn't that been the story of our relationship with God ever since then? Haven't we been hiding and running from God ever since then? And some of you, many of you here in the room, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was hiding from God, but I, I, I learned about Jesus in the Bible, and I turned my life over to him. Okay, I get that, but you're ahead of the story. Because some of you in the room would go, wow, that's pretty much my story. Pretty much my story is I've gone my own way. I've done what I wanted to do. I've rejected God's boundaries for my life, and I'm separated from God. And most of our world goes day after day, year after year, living their life separated and distant from God. And God looked at our condition when he looked at Adam and Eve in the garden, and then he looked at all of us down through history. God looked at our condition. He said, they're going to need a message from me. They're going to need a word from me that corrects this challenge that they have. They're going to need a word of life from me. And so he wrote us a love letter called the Bible. See, that's primarily what the Bible is. It's a love letter from God. When my oldest daughter, Breck, left home for college, uh, it was a tough time for me, you know. I mean, I was proud of her, and I was glad for what she was doing, and she's going to go to college, and it's going to be, you know, fabulous. But she's leaving me, and I'm, I love my daughter, and I was not ready for her to leave me. And we're going to be separated now for, you know, for by 500 miles or something, and we're not going to see each other for months at a time. And so I just decided when she left, I'm just going to write her letters. This was before Facebook, when I could, you know, or, or FaceTime, or what I could, I could actually look at her while I, you know, talked or whatever. Before all that, all we had in, in the old days was like email. And I decided I'm not going to do the email way. I'm going to do the whole snail mail thing. And I'm actually going to write out these letters by hand. Because she'll just know that I love her. If I just take some time and write this out by hand, that would be kind of a cool thing. So I started writing her letters. And every week I just send her another letter. Just trying to let her know that I loved her. And though we were separated, I didn't want to be separated from her. And then my son graduated from high school. And he joined the Navy. He was going to be a... a Submariner. He's going to spend the next five years in a submarine. Man, I'm never going to see that boy. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to send my son letters. Sometimes I had to give up the paper and pen method for him because he's in a submarine. The only way to get letters was by email. So that whole postal thing wasn't really working so much. But I, I started out sending him letters. Now, full disclosure, I wasn't good at keeping up with that. That's a hard, that's a hard habit to maintain. But God maintained it for us. And he said, you're going to be separated from me. And I don't want you to remain separated. I want you to be connected to me as closely as possible. And so he sent us a love letter called the Bible. Whatever else the Bible is, and we'll talk about a lot of what it is in the next few weeks. Whatever else the Bible is, know this. It is a love letter from God to you. It expresses his heart for you. It expresses his joy in you. It expresses his sorrow for the separation between you and him. It's God's love letter to you. 
There's another passage of scripture I want you to hear. It's found in Hebrews chapter 1. Listen to this statement from God. He says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. He said, that's how God used to speak to us, through the prophets. And sometimes they spoke it and sometimes they wrote it down. But God used to speak to us through his prophets. Is how we ended up with the Bible. And then he goes on, he says this. But in these last days, God has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. And the son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. Hebrews says, God used to speak to us through the prophets, and we got it written down, but now God speaks to us through his son, Jesus. In fact, the apostle John in John chapter 1 calls Jesus the word of God. It's like God loved us so much that he sent us a message through the prophets, and then God loved us so much that he sent us a message through his son, who's called the word of God. There's this verse in John chapter 3, some of you know it, right? It's It's the verse that says, for God so loved the world that he gave us one and only son, right? That's how it goes, right? He gave us one and only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish, would not be separated from God forever, but would have everlasting life. You could take what you find out through the scriptures, and God spoke to us through his prophets, and then he spoke to us through his son. You could take that and say it this way. God so loved the world that he sent us a text. That's what this is. This is the text of God's word. This is the text of God's heart. It has, has more than 140 characters, but it's God's text to us. God so loved the world that he sent us his text. And what is the Bible? Isn't it simply the story of Jesus' life? Isn't that what the Bible is? You go, no, 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 it's got the story of Abraham and Moses and David and Goliath and all those other things. Yeah, but what are those? That's just the story of Jesus before he showed up on earth. And then you got the part of the Gospels where he showed up and now it's his his story while he's here. And then what's after that? It's the story after he left earth. The Bible is simply the story of before, during, and after Jesus' life on earth. If you want to know Jesus, you'll have to use the Bible. Jesus is the singular, most influential human being in the course of history. If you want to know his story, if you want to know about his life, you have to get it through the Bible. There's no other source. And God gave you this book. God sent you this message. He sent us this message because he loves us so much. There's a psalm, Psalm 119. It's the longest chapter in the Bible It's got 176 verses in it, and every verse in Psalm 119 is a verse that describes the benefit of reading God's Word, or of having God's Word, of having the Scriptures. Every verse tells you the benefit. It's kind of interesting because as we're going to go through this series, you'll find there's various kinds of literature in the Bible. This chapter, Psalm 119, is an acrostic poem. In other words, every set of eight verses in Psalm 119, every set of eight verses begins with, a, with the next letter in the Hebrew alphabet. So the first eight verses, each verse in that eight, how do I say that? Each verse in this eight-verse section starts with the Hebrew letter Aleph, which is our version of A. In the next eight verses, each verse, each sentence starts with the next letter in the Hebrew alphabet, Bet, Bet, Bet. 
The next eight starts with the next letter, Gimel, and all the way through the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, and there's, there's 22 sections, I believe, of eight verses each, 176 verses. And it just walks down through this acrostic poem. L- listen to some of the verses that are written in Psalm 119. And listen to how they give a benefit to those who hear God's word or who read God's word. So, for example, verse 9. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? That's a great question, isn't it? How does a young person stay on the path of purity? Let me ask another question. How does an old person stay on the path of purity? Same way. Here's, he gives the answer. By living according to your word. See, God sent us a text to keep our hearts pure. Verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart, Lord, that I might not sin against you. Why did God give us the Bible? God sent us his text to keep us from sinning. Well, that would be helpful. Verse 14, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. God sent us a text to enrich our lives. You want to be rich? Invest in this book. Verse 19, I'm a stranger on earth. Do not hide your commands from me. God sent us his text to show us his path because we're strangers here. Verse 21, you rebuke the arrogant who are cursed, those who stray from your commands. God sent us his text to correct us when we get off his path. Verse 24, your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. God sent us his text to counsel us. Why? Because he loves us. And it goes on and on and on, 176 verses of why God sent us his text. But it all comes back to this. God so loved the world, God so loved you, that he sent us this message. And it's all about his love for you. One more I want to show you, then we'll wrap up with this. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Apostle Paul makes this statement. He says, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All Scripture, everything in the Bible is God-breathed, God-inspired. And it's profitable, it's useful for correcting. You ever need correction? I do. It's profitable for teaching. You ever need to be taught? I need that. It's profitable for rebuking. It's like, I don't like that one, but that's helpful to me. And it's profitable, useful for training me in the path of righteousness so that the righteous person will be equipped for every good work. God gave us the Bible because he loved us so much and he wants us to be ready for every good work that he has for us. Well, what what good work? What good work does he want us to be ready for? If you were at our vision nights a couple of weeks ago, we did it on Saturday and Sunday nights a couple weeks ago, we just spent some time just talking about where we're heading and what we're going to be doing as a church. And one of the things we talked about is that God gave his church to the world to change the world. The problem with that is you look at the world and you go, wow, it's too big. There's 7 billion people in the world. I can't change it. I can't do enough. And what I believe is God wants to change the world through us, but he wants to change the world by changing our worlds. 
Every one of us has been placed into a world by God's grace, by God's sovereignty, by his strategy. Every one of us has been placed into a web of relationships. Every one of us, I I believe, has around 8 to 15 people that are in our web of relationships. And some of us have a lot more. Some of us have somewhat less. But every one of us, on average, about 8 to 15 significant relationships around us. And so maybe I'd look at it and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm here in the middle. And God sent me his text for me here in the middle of all these relationships with people at school or work or friends or in my neighborhood or in my family or whatever. That, you know, the person who gives me my coffee every day at Starbucks, whom I know better than my brother. All those people, those are in my web of relationships, my household, my neighborhood, what the Bible calls an oikos. It's the Greek word for household. It means an extended household, my extended web of relationships. I believe every one of us, God has placed strategically in a web of relationships. And he wants us to live out those good works that he's preparing us to do through his scriptures. Does it matter that you know the Bible? Does it matter that you let the Bible shape you? Absolutely, because when the Bible shapes you, it is inspired by God to equip you for every good work in the midst of those relationships he's already placed you in. And if you don't know the Bible, you don't know the good works that God wants you to do. God inspired his book and he sent this message because he loves you so much. That he wants to work his power through your life in the web of relationships you have so that he can change your world. And if God got a hold of a whole church and could change the worlds of each person in that church, God could change the world through us. Isn't that what it's about? God so loved the world that he sent us a text. And we're going to spend the next month thinking about it and hearing about it and studying it together and seeing what God has for us. I want you to do some things. Let me just give you some action things before we break up here. Number one, some of you need to engage the gospel. A lot of you already have, but some of you have not engaged the gospel. And before you can ever really grasp the scriptures, you got to grasp what God has done for you and where you are. Some of you, I lost you back on the story of Adam and Eve, and you said, hmm, separated from God, that feels like my life. I've been separated from God for all this time, and I don't know how to get, to, to get connected to him. Let me give you what we sometimes give to our children in, in Kids Fest and Blitz. We give them the ABCs of the gospel. ABCs. A, admit, I admit that I'm a sinner who needs a savior. For some of us, that's a hard one. Like, oh, I can do it myself. Yeah, but when you really grasp that you're separated from God, at some point you go, I, okay, God, I admit I'm a sinner and I'm separated from you and I need a savior. B, believe that Jesus is the only savior God has sent. That's the message of the gospels. That's the message of the Bible. Jesus is the only savior that God has sent. C, choose to believe him. Choose to follow him by faith. Choose to put your trust in him. And that's the beginning of a walk with Christ. Start there. If you go, man, I'm so separated from God, then start there. A, admit. B, believe. C, choose to trust him. All right? And that's where some of you, you could just stop right there for some of you. Now, some of you have already taken that step. God bless you. That's amazing. 
So the next thing for you, let me just ask you this. In this series, I want you to download the the study guide that we've put out on lakesidechurch.com. Download the study guide so you can follow along with what what you're doing, right? So lakesidechurch.com slash small groups, small slash group. I don't know how that goes. Look at it, okay? And, uh, or just go to the website. On Monday morning, we're going to send everybody who's a member or a regular attender of Lakeside, we're going to send you an email with a link to this devotional guide. It's got 30 days of devotions and 30 days or so of instructions or theological teaching to say some of it's about this is what the Bible means, and some of it says this is what the Bible, where the Bible came from and how we got it and what it's about. Download it and start reading it tonight or tomorrow. Okay? Next one. Oh, let me back up one, a couple. You know, if you, if you go through the ABCs of the gospel and you engage that tonight, you say, Jesus, that's me. Maybe you want to go out and go to the baptism orientation afterwards because that would be a great next step for you as well. Right? Thank you. Next one. Let's see, where was I? Oh, small group. Engage in a small group. We got men's small groups. We got plenty of room in some men's small groups. We got women's small groups. We got, we got groups for mothers. We got, group, we got groups for single moms. We got all kinds of groups, and, and Carl and Lisa are going to be in the lobby out there afterward tonight, and they'll be able to get you involved and connected to a group. Check in with them, get involved in a group. We got over 500 people involved in groups yet. That's not enough. It's good, it's not enough, because I want you to be in a group. And then be here on the weekend, and let's see what God does for us, in us, among us, as we walk this through together. While we're talking about technology and those things, um, some of you who are on Twitter, you know, if you want to tell us what you're learning, just put hashtag lakeside text on your tweets. That'll let us know what you're learning. And, or maybe you have questions you want to ask. Hashtag lakeside church text, and you can put your questions to us. I want to address some of those as we go along. Good? Are we good? Yeah. All right, let's pray together. Father, thanks for your grace to us and your goodness to us. I'm grateful for your book. I'm grateful for this message you gave us, and I want us to live it out. So give us your blessing, lead us on your path, and be honored among us, Lord Jesus. Lord, for those who are engaging with your ABCs in the gospel tonight, bless them and give them life as you promised. Lord, thanks for these things. Amen.